Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Are you being influenced? Well, if you watched the blockbuster film in the last decade, well, then there's a chance it has been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Now, here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. Now, in Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, well, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free when you go to the website, hollywoodtakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. say you can take Trump supporters and put them in two big baskets. There are what I call the deplorables. Nobody's heard anything like this. Hillary Clinton spoke with hatred and derision for the people who make this country run. The countdown to saving America is on. T-minus 55 days until election day. Freedom is back in style. Welcome to the revolution. We burning down the night, shooting bullets at the moon, baby. This is how we Behind-the-scenes information on breaking news and more bold, inspired solutions for America. All right, happy Wednesday, and we got 55 days to go. The best election coverage available on your radio dial. Write down our toll-free number. It's 800-941-SEAN if you want to join us and be a part of this extravaganza. So much to get to today. Let me start with some polling numbers And this is really polling pre-Hillary's collapse on Sunday. It's going to be interesting to see if there's fallout from the fact that they can't even tell the truth about Hillary's, you know, 
hell for crying out loud. Donald Trump sharing his physical results with Dr. Oz. Now, hey, Linda, doesn't Dr. Oz tape in this building? I think he does. Yes, he does. He do- Yeah, he does. I ran into people in his show. They do. They, ta- they, they have their offices, at least, in here. That's all true. Yeah. What? Talk to the audience. Don't. I'm talk sorry. To me. Yeah, you're right. They actually. I'm sorry because they used to be. Yeah, at that's another, right. I'm right. You're wrong. Go ahead. Um, and say are you it. having a moment? Okay. Yeah, I'm having. a Yeah. Moment. They were. They used to be across the street, and they did move into this building. There is a studio about two floors down from ours. Yeah. Apparently, Doc uh, Trump surprises Doctor Oz with the results of his physical. Look, you can tell the guy has a vitality about him. I'm around him all the time. I'm telling you, this guy is a high energy go getter. That you know, let's go, let's go. Come on, boom, 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 moves. You know, even on his plane, he's he's busy watching TV and following the election and studying in the campaign and talking to people. He, he never stops. And he's like, you know, how many hours do I sleep a night? I sleep three, four, five hours a night if I'm lucky. And I was up last night. I don't know what I ate, but it wasn't too good. So I had a little extra time up last night than more than I would have preferred. But that happens. All right. So the poll numbers are this. Um, I wonder if Nate Silver's having a meltdown over there at 538, having to recalibrate, readjust every day. His model that shows Trump is getting closer uh, to uh, in percentage wise because he's been out there almost the whole time saying Trump has no shot. But uh, and yeah, I believe the polls. Nate Silver, do you believe them? Because Donald Trump now has surged in a Bloomberg politics poll. He's leading Hillary Clinton among likely voters in the very important swing state of Ohio, 48-43. By the way, no thanks to John Kasich, who broke his promise and his pledge and his word to the people of the United States by saying he'd support the nominee. And he's all about bringing people together. And now he's dividing an entire party, which is beyond disappointing. And I wrote him. I said, well, you have time to talk. And he wrote me back, not if it's about Trump. I said, really? Oh, I said, oh, I can only talk to you about that's how deep and shallow our friendship is. Deep or shallow, not deep and shallow. I mean, that's what it means. We can talk about golf, our kids, the weather. But let's not talk about important issues like 95 million Americans out of work and the lowest home ownership rate in 51 years and the worst recovery since the 40s. Let's not talk about 12 million more Americans on food stamps or 8 million more in poverty or one in five American families without a single person working. No, let's not talk about any of that. Let's not talk about Trump's Supreme Court nominees versus Hillary's. Let's not talk about Trump's vetting of refugees versus Hillary's. Let's not talk about Trump and and protecting our borders versus Hillary's bridge on the border she wants to build. Let's not talk about getting rid of coal mining, the coal mining industry and putting coal companies out of work and coal miners out of jobs. Let's not talk about education. Does is it better back in the States or top down NEA common core? Let's not talk about these things. Let's focus on the little things in life. I know what you're thinking in there. You're thinking, how many more people am I going to start a fight with in the next 55 days? I don't know. You know what? I don't care. This is one thing the media is not getting about all these articles that are Hannity's fighting the Wall Street Journal. Hannity's fighting Glenn Beck. Hannity is fighting uh, the National Review guys, the Wall Street Journal guys, the Romney guys, the the former presidential candidates. Because here's what I'm what I'm pointing out to everybody. There are deep and profound differences in terms of the choice this election year. You want to argue that Donald Trump hasn't been a conservative his entire life. That's fine. Conservatism is about ideology and principles, core values and principles. 
and principles have to be applied to modern-day problems to solve the problem. You can say he's a nationalist populist because of his position on immigration and refugees and America first and his position on trade. Probably the least conservative position on paper is the is the trade issue. And and frankly, I'm a free trader, but I kind of suspect Donald Trump is negotiating. I don't think he's really going to start a trade war unless people are really abusing the United States. And even then, I'm not sure what's going to come of it. But I'm telling you that. Just look at the Supreme Court. You know, we could do a two-word game here. Supreme Court. The difference is profound. You know, repealing Obamacare. Another two words, replacing Obamacare. Energy independence. Education choice. The wall. These are big issues. Vetting refugees. I don't need to spend a lot of time telling you how, you know, Lower taxes. This is not something you need to think that deeply about. So I, I just am, am beyond. I don't care whoever I have to, because you know why? What motivates Sean Hannity? I told this to a report. They never print this. They never. I spent an hour on this phone with this idiot from the New York Times, Jim Rutenberg. And I'm like, he didn't print any of what I told him. At least the girl from BuzzFeed. I expected no fair treatment from BuzzFeed. Now, she did have some bizarre conspiracy theories that people were feeding her. Uh, her name is Rosie. And so at least she put my answers in and, and my rebuttals to these ridiculous notions that people are throwing out there about me. You know, this is what this election in 55 days is about for me. And I don't know what it's about for you, but you'll have to make up your own mind. But for me, this is what it's about. I'm a guy that started on a 50 by 100 lot. You know, my father grew up poor, dirt poor in Bedford-Stuy in Brooklyn. You know, this is a guy that, you know, it was a big deal to get a small Cape Cod house, have four kids, a tiny backyard with a big oak tree taking up half the space, and, you know, was able to raise his kids in a much better environment than he was raised in and whose parents himself came here off the boat from Ireland. All four of my grandparents came from Ireland. All four were broke, had no money. And my father grew up really poor. My mother not quite as poor because my grandfather on that side did a little bit better, but nothing from means by any stretch of the imagination. And we were taught at a young age, you got to work. Eight years old, I had a paper route. Twelve years old, washing dishes by hand in a restaurant. You know, 13, 14, I was a cook. And I was a busboy, then I was a waiter, then I was a bartender. And that consumed 10 years, almost 10 years of my life. And then I got into construction as I was working my way in and out of school because I ran out of money. After I was able to save money on my own, I paid for a full year at Adelphi, a full year at NYU. You know, I get a kick out of all these colleges, say that I graduated from there, and I didn't. Yeah, if you look at their websites, notable graduates in media, Sean Hannity. I didn't graduate there. I just went there. Just like the station that fired me out in Santa Barbara, they ran me out of town, which, by the way, they should have run everybody on that station out of town because nobody had any radio skills, so to speak. Of. We were all newbies, and they, they had no problem having these shows that called Reagan and, and Bush at the time, drug runners and drug pushers. Anyway, so they just should have run us all out of town. But anyway, now they, they brag Sean Hannity started here. 
I'm like, you fired me and, and kicked me off the station for crying out loud. Now you're bragging about my success in spite of you? Good grief. Then they air old shows of mine from when I first started radio, somebody told me. Hi, I'm Sean Hannity. Welcome to the show, Pursuit of Happiness. It's hilarious to me. Like, all right, it's horrible. One time my son heard it and he goes, Dad, that's so humiliating. That's so embarrassing. Oh, God, did you really sound like that? He goes, you are awful, Dad. What made you think you can do this? It's pretty funny. But I digress. So that was my background. Then it was construction. And then it was painting houses and working in a shipyard, Blount Marina in Warren, Rhode Island. And then it was hanging wallpaper. My buddy Andrew Fian, I went to high school with. He went to the Vermont School of Wallpapering, and he taught me how to hang wallpaper. And I did that, made a lot of money. And then I started working in construction and framing and building houses and doing roofing. And in the process, I fell off a roof and busted my face and my arm and, you know, everything else happened. And then I learned to lay tile. And then I did all these construction jobs. And I don't know, it's given me a perspective. And here's what I see. This is what the selection is about. Are you better off than you were eight years ago? Well, in foreign policy that Obama and Hillary were a part of, Iraq is dramatically worse off. It created a vacuum for ISIS and cities that Americans fought, bled, and died for. Baghdad, Ramadi, Fallujah, Mosul, Tikrit end up in the hands of ISIS with the financial rewards of the oil so that they can spread their terror worldwide. And we're seeing the impact and the consequences of their stupidity. The same thing with the red line and the sand in Syria. If President Assad uses weapons of mass destruction, we'll stop them. They can't run on this. They can't run on the Russian reset with Vladimir Putin. They can't run on their North Korea policy or their China policy. They can't run on supporting a former Muslim Brotherhood head when they supported that for the, after the Arab Spring. Mohammed Morsi once referred to the Israelis as descendants of apes and pigs. They can't run on Afghanistan. They can't run on Libya. Benghazi. You know, so what, what, what can Hillary run on? The only thing Hillary wants to do is get Donald Trump to bubble and fizz like Alka-Seltzer and water in the debates and say he's not presidential. And call him racist, sexist, deplorable, irredeemable. That's their whole narrative. Well, it's not working. You know, they can't run on the economy. I tell you these stats, I'll, I'll, I'll scream them from the mountaintop. 95 million Americans out of the labor force. Worst labor participation rate since the 70s. Lowest home ownership rate in 51 years. Worst recovery since the 40s, the Great Depression. First president ever not to reach GDP growth of 3% in a single year of his presidency. One in five American families don't have a single family member in the labor force. Then you've got 12 million more Americans on food stamps, more dependency. Eight million more in poverty. Great job. Liberalism, really. That rising tide lifting all boats, sinking all boats into poverty. And then, of course, you know, one in six men, 18 to 34, they're in prison or home with mommy. Mommy's making them dinner every night. They live in the basement, read porn and, uh, you know, smoke pot, I guess, wasting their lives. It's pathetic. So the world is less safe. You have the emergence of radical Islam. Oh, and they can't say radical Islam. So between the Supreme Court being able to say radical Islam vetting refugees, building the wall, moving America towards energy independence, 
health savings accounts versus Obamacare, education back to the states, this is a no-brainer election. There's not a lot of thought here. And every one of those positions, I'd argue, is conservative. Not just nationalist, popular, but conservative solutions. Conservatism as a philosophy has proven itself to work again and again. John Kennedy did it when he dropped the top marginal tax rates as a Democrat, and Reagan did it, and and we were successful in both cases. And Trump is pledging to do the same. And top of all the other issues. You know what this election's about? This election is about caring about you people out there that don't have the opportunity to start delivering papers, washing dishes, cooking, cleaning, and and busing and waitering and waiter tables and and ten bar and paint houses and hang wallpaper and lay tile and nail roofing and do framing and then have an opportunity to make a little bit of money, pay for college, and a little bit of money to give you a cushion so you can pursue whatever your dream is. In my case, it was radio. I never thought about television. I always thought I had a face for radio. Makeup is an amazing discovery, especially for men on TV. So that's what this election's about. Look at how many jobs would be created in the energy industry alone. If we made a commitment to be energy independent, then you have the added bonus, energy-wise, of, of not having to be dependent on those beep, beep, beep in the Middle East that hate our guts. Seriously. Building the wall, oh, then we have 11 million fewer people competing for the limited jobs that are available, the 95 million Americans out of work, driving down our wages. It's so, it's so easy, but yet so hard. And you got the arrogant, so-called intellectual class of Republicans steadfast in their opposition, helping Hillary Clinton every day. What a bunch of arrogant asses. I have no respect for these people, none. And yes, they own it. I'm going to get, I think I'm going to get bumper stickers made up. Liberal Republicans, establishment Republicans, you own Hillary. You own it. And all her bad decisions. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN is the number. You know, Dr. Connie Mariano is coming out with an upcoming memoir, and uh, she was a former White House doctor for the Clintons. Now, she points out that this is not the first time that Hillary has lied about her health, that Hillary, quote, allowed her staff to think mistakenly that she had pulled a muscle rather than tell them the truth that she had a blood clot when she was first lady in 1998. Anyway, Dr. Connie Mariano writes in this uh, memoir that I assigned a female nurse in civilian attire to accompany Hillary on the campaign trail. I also notified the Secret Service that she was on medication in the event that she was injured. Excessive bleeding would have been a very dangerous complication. Now, there's a morning console poll that shows that 50 percent of you, the American people, do not trust or believe her that you think she's lying about her health. Well, you know, obviously she's lied before. You know, look at, you know, 19 days she didn't have a rally in the month of August. What is she doing? Why can't she has no stamina whatsoever? You know, she makes Jeb Bush look like the Energizer Bunny. No diss on Jeb Bush. He just has a more mild mannered. Look, Dr. Carson. I love Dr. Carson. 
Remember we used to have him on and I'd say to him, Dr. Carson, you're not the quintessential presidential candidate. I mean, you go at your own surgeon speed and which made him the most amazing surgeon in the world. One of the greatest ever. And of course you got the media spinning Christian Amanpour. Can a girl take a day off? What's this? She's a hundred hundred times more qualified than men. And here, these men do so much better. Where did that come from? There is a new Guccifer tie that has been provided to journalists via DC Leaks, a website with ties to Guccifer 2.0. Reveals that Clinton's health has been a topic of discussion for some period of time. Uh, Colin Powell is involved in this. On HDTV, she doesn't look good. He wrote back in March. She's working herself to death. Remember, she fell. Remember, she needed help up the stairs in February. Well, she's not out on the campaign trail because she doesn't have the stamina to do it. It's obvious. And anyway, in response to all of that, a conversation with Rhode Island Democrat Sheldon Whitehouse regarding Clinton's difficulty in, you know, getting up a set of stairs is a huge Clinton supporter, said they were both giving speeches at the same event a few months back. She could barely climb the podium steps, he said. Well. When I come out on stage, what do I do? I'm like bouncing around like a jumping bean. Damn, that's how, you know, it's not that hard to climb up podium steps. But I'm in good shape. Anyway, the back and forth is going to increase, obviously, some skepticism here. And, um, you know, for them to say for that many hours that she's dehydrated and overheated. How do you get overheated on a day where it's 77 degrees and breezy? Like it was in New York. It was the coolest day on record that we've had in a while. It was a good day. And then only because you're forced to, you say, I have pneumonia, but the whole staff has pneumonia. Well, and anyone else, I mean, who, any, any press people on the campaign trail with them, do they all have pneumonia too? Or is it just the pneumonia virus is going after the Clinton people because maybe the pneumonia virus doesn't like Clintons or her supporters? It's so stupid. Anyway, so it's all being kept... You know, and then the following day, Bill Clinton, oh, Hillary's collapsed on a, on a whole bunch of occasions. A lot of help that he is. Um, by the way, here's a question. If the New York Times is going to start this lawsuit to unseal Donald Trump's divorce records, well, maybe records from Bill Clinton's sex addiction therapy. Are we going to unseal those? Well, the New York Times and Gannett News have filed a lawsuit. They want to look at Trump's divorce records. Well, I have an idea. For example, Bill Clinton apparently had actually sought out and received psychological treatment for sex addiction. Uh, because when a Hollywood star goes for treatment for sex addiction, sex addiction, that's pretty big news, right? By the way, is that like the dumbest thing in the world? Let's go to, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous and hang out with a bunch of other people with alcohol problems. Now, by the way, I believe in Alcoholics Anonymous. Narcotics Anonymous. Okay, I believe in narcotics. I think you can benefit from hearing other people's stories and getting a sponsor, somebody that's been through it and has gotten better. Here's the problem if you're a sex addict. If you're a sex addict and you're in a room with a bunch of other sex addicts, you know your hookup opportunities are probably pretty good there. I'm not so sure going to Sex Addicts Anonymous is such a good idea. That would kind of be therapy. You need one-on-one with somebody that's not a sex addict. I'm just guessing. I'm kind of guessing that there's, you know, a little flirtation going on across the room there. And you tell your story and she tells her story and she tells his story. And and a lot of next thing you know, they run outside and they're passing each other's number to each other and they're meeting in the nearest hotel.
I know this never happens. That never happened. I'm sure that Sex uh, Addiction Anonymous is working just fine. Why do I think if you know somebody that's a sex addict, would you send them into a room with other sex addicts? Because the drug is in the room. If you go to a Narcotics Anonymous, there's no heroin in the room. There's no OxyContin in the room, I would imagine, unless somebody's sneaking it in in their socks or in their shoes or if they come in stoned out of their mind. But right there is a person that you could hook up with. Hook up, of course, has multiple meanings depending on which one you use. Just ask your teenage children. They'll tell you. I've learned too much as a parent. Anyway, so, well, Bill Clinton, maybe president of the United States, going for sex addict treatment. Apparently that's not news, at least to the pro-Clinton media. Anyway, Hillary uh, raised the subject in her 2003 memoir, Living History, writing that the most difficult decision I have made in my life was to stay married to Bill and to run for Senate. Um, And anyway, folks around the Clintons believe or want to believe that Bill's indiscretions are a thing of the past. Well, no, because they've got the energizer swinging up there up in Chappaqua as soon as she leaves. And the Secret Service are up to their eyeballs and covering that up for Hillary. As I said, Trump up five in Ohio, Trump leading in a state that was supposed to be in the bag for Hillary, and that's Colorado. This would be a big win for Trump. He can pull this off. He's up 43-41. And then we've got a Nevada poll. It's 44-42 with Trump leading there. And he's leading in Florida. I mean, some good news here. You know what Obama's tax collections have been since he's been president? Over $20 trillion. $20 trillion, and he still will spend another $10 trillion more than he took in and accumulate more debt than every other president before him combined. Now think about this for a minute. Our country can't get by on $20 trillion in eight years. Really? Sorry, I'm not buying that. The way Bush has done it over the last eight years is to take out a credit card from the Bank of China in the name of our children, driving up our national debt so that we now have over $9 trillion of debt that we are going to have to pay back. That's irresponsible. It's unpatriotic. Yeah, 12 million more on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty. There's an article today, Circa News. Millions of American teens are at risk of starving and some are trading sex for food. Millions of American teenagers are at risk of running out of food and don't have access to affordable, healthy food. By the way, food is probably the cheapest thing you can buy. If you want to eat right, get a bag of rice and beans, cook it up. You got healthy nutritious protein starch and uh carbs and you're good to go a vegetable here or there wouldn't be too bad either anyway some of them are so desperate they're selling their bodies and committing crimes to go to jail so they can have regular meals according to an urban institute study they source an anonymous kid in north carolina when you're selling your body it's more in disguise like if i had sex with you you have to buy me dinner tonight jeez sad by the way story today will the gop establishment join democrats to prevent the impeachment of the irs chief illegal immigration surged in august illegal families set for the worst year on record whoops border patrol agents are getting hammered by this new surge of illegal immigration this was in the washington times and it goes on to say that the agency's chief telling congress that new numbers showed a massive influx you know why Because the illegal immigrants are afraid Donald Trump is going to win and the wall's going to go up and this is their last shot. 
Border Patrol chief also said agents are the most assaulted law officers in the U.S. Oh, and did I tell you that John Kerry's State Department, in full keeping with everything Clinton, that actually more than $9 million of State Department money funneled through the Peace Corps to a nonprofit started and run by John Kerry's daughter. I voted to give her $9 million until I voted against it. So so corrupt. I actually did vote for the $87 billion before I, I voted against it. He's such a jackass. Thank God we kept him out of the White House. He's another pompous ass. These people just disgust me, all of them. Even the Republicans, they're worse than the Democrats. I'm more angry at Republicans. The state of this country, it's so despicable and deplorable, and we could do so much better. Um, there is a great analysis, I think probably the best analysis I have read of this campaign to date. And it was written by Conrad Black, and he deserves a lot of credit. I would actually, if we can, Linda, put it up on the website because it's so good, and I don't have the time to go through all of it, but it's certainly worth a mention here. And he's from National Review. I know, it's shocking, right? Anyway, put it in National Review. And he pointed out a number of weeks ago that the Republican convention celebrated the complete rejection of what he calls the post-Reagan Republican Party. Now, look, principles don't go away. As I said, Trump is appointing conservative originalist justices. That's what his philosophy is. And that's why he gave 11 names of people that he'd like to appoint. You know, Trump cutting taxes and business taxes and allowing multinational corporations to repatriate the money. That's all good, too. That's conservative. Repealing Obamacare would be a conservative idea. Energy independence is a conservative idea. Building a wall protecting our borders is conservative. Healthcare savings accounts, conservative. Education, choice, uh, sent back to the states. Those are all conservative ideas. Anyway, he goes into this piece and he talked about, you know, some of the anti-Trumper people, which I found pretty interesting. And... Um, you know, that Trump has 40 percent of the vote and that he's making the argument that Trump is, in spite of all of the implications of Hillary, that he's racist, sexist and homophobic and xenophobic and all of this and an insider in violence and a buffoon and all this stuff that he's actually doing really well. And he said it's all nonsense and that Trump has actually been the one that's on message discipline, not controversial. It's Hillary and her campaign making all the gaffes. You know, and half of Trump's uh, followers being deplorables, basket of deplorables, as uh, he points out. Then he goes on to point out that, you know, how Hillary's lead is eroded and uh, the candidate's performance is destructive and not helpful. And anyway, Donald Trump has been very, very smart in his recalibration and the way he's running his campaign right now. And he's staying on message discipline and he's given real policy speeches one after another. And he seems like he's having, you know, a lot of fun. He's reaching out to the middle, he reached out to women last night and said, hey, we got something. We've had health care savings accounts. We'll give you daycare savings accounts. We'll give you tax credits so that you can get into the workforce because we know government taxes you to death. And I actually thought it was a pretty good idea. Helping people will give a match of X number of dollars so we don't have to take care of your kids. He's shattering the illusion that he doesn't have the temperament to be president. You know, the Clinton campaign is, you know, their whole argument. The first woman don't isn't a time for a woman to be president. Well, that's not going to work. And then he had a pretty good analysis that, you know, that if you look at past elections and, you know, you have 
Eisenhower and, you know, somebody like Nixon that was able to bridge the gap between the Goldwater and the Rockefeller factions. And then he called Reagan the artist of Morning in America. He, you know, says now the man will recapture the party of Lincoln and Theodore Roosevelt from the faint and ineffectual dissenters from the Clintons and Obama of the post-Reagan years. And he talked about, he quoted Marco Rubio, who said, you know, he and others missed the tsunami of resentment that was the Bush-Clinton co-regency and what they had done to the country. Everybody's forgetting that 65% of Republicans feel betrayed. That's why, you know, all these never-Trumpers are out of touch with where the people are. We're the ones who've been saying on talk radio that these guys have failed. They're weak, spineless, feckless, visionless. Anyway, so with all of all of this, he even says that people like George Will and Bill Crystal left the ship. And he actually thinks that at the end of the day, they're going to regret it and ask themselves why they did it. He quoted Laura Ingram as saying most of the members of the mainstream press are simply Clinton's puppets. And with five liberals on the Supreme Court, she get this. This is what's at stake, by the way, for you never Trumpers. Well, Clinton can interpret any statute. Rewrite any regulation as she sees fit. Use the IRS to go after political enemies. The press will cover it up and the courts will do nothing to stop her. What's to prevent her from bringing in as many new immigrants as she wants? Using the Clean Air Act to impose climate change policies on the country? Interpreting tax laws to punish companies she doesn't like? Reinterpreting Obamacare however she wants? Changing federal regulations in a way that advances her political agenda? She's right. You know, the questions about all of this, there's nothing you can do. That's what's at stake in this election. Stupid people. These Republicans are dumb. I'm so glad I'm not a part of them. And by the way, you know what I'm most glad about? All those same idiots with their pathetic books that they can't sell on their own. Begging Linda, please, can Sean have us on? Please, please, please. I'm like, oh, God. Another cliched, quote, conservative book. Shoot me. I, I just, there's just so little I can glean out of it at this point. Now I don't have to put these people on ever again. Thank God I'm liberated. Tried to be nice to people for so many years. I'm giving up on that. These are not deplorable people that I can tell you. Come on over. My wife and I represent non-deplorable people. <laughs> a lot of things. Deplorable is not one of them, I assure you. We are going to make America great again. And Hillary needs to take a nap. After all the horrible scandals that Hillary Clinton's been involved in, and then she has the gall to call us deplorable. It's unbelievable. After months of hiding from the press, Hillary Clinton came out and finally told the world how she feels about the people of this country. She talks about people like they're objects, not human beings. She said half of our supporters are irredeemable and not American, and describes the other half as having run out of options. Hillary Clinton spoke with hatred in her heart for these working class Americans. Absolute hatred in her heart. She looks down on the people who cook her meals, drive her cars, and dig the coal that power her electricity. Her goal is simple, to bully the American voter out of voting for change. 
I never expected an easy race. If I were to be grossly generalistic, I'd say you can take Trump supporters and put them in two big baskets. There are what I call the deplorables, you know, the racist and the, you know, the haters and and the people who are drawn because they think somehow uh, he's going to restore uh, an America that no longer exists. So just eliminate them from your thinking because we've always had a kind of paranoid, prejudicial. Uh, element within our politics. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show. Write down our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. It's 800-941-SEAN if you want to join us. Well, this is just resonating with so many different people. Now Donald Trump is bringing on everyday Americans that Hillary Clinton is calling deplorable. I thought liberals were so open-minded and accepting of people that are not like themselves. Apparently not. And how big an issue is this going to be come November? Well, time will tell. In the great swing state of Ohio, Donald Trump, Bloomberg polled today, is up by five. You see, now it is the real clear politics average is below two. And even poor Nate Silver is adjusting every second of every day his prediction that Hillary will run away with this. Joining us now with analysis is the former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. How are you? I'm doing well, and uh, this is going to be about as amazing as you can imagine. You know, Trump now is carrying the northern congressional district in Maine by 10 points and is within three points of carrying the state of Maine, which nobody, I mean nobody, would have expected. Um, he's up five in, in Ohio. Um, you know, things are moving, and it's, and, it's, and it's fascinating. And I don't think it's just sunk in the sort of combination of Hillary's deplorable comment, her obvious visible health problem on 9-11 when the entire nation was watching, uh, and the fact that three of her uh, people involved in her uh, emails, two pled the Fifth Amendment and the third refused to show up in front of Congress to testify. I mean, all these different pieces keep dropping down, and you keep looking at them and thinking, what is going on? And, and it's just, it's astonishing. It's astonishing, but in many ways very predictable. And add to that, you know, her full collapse and then it taking hours and hours and hours to say, oh, she was diagnosed with pneumonia on Friday after they tried to spin it that she was just dehydrated. And then when they realized that wasn't even working with their allies in the mainstream media, they had to adapt and adjust. And But look, you, you could never have predicted and again, I mean, all of us are concerned for her her health, and, and she's certainly in my prayers. And uh, she's our opponent, but she's not our enemy, and we want we don't mean badly for her. But you could never predict it. You know what the sad thing is? I know how sincere you are, but people are not going to believe you're sincere. I know you're a good Christian, and, well, and I feel the same way. But that. people I mean, won't I, believe I, us. I've known Bill and Hillary for a quarter century. Why would I? Th- and, why and, would and, we ever wish ill on anybody? People just don't understand right. that we have a heart. But 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 what's goofy was. When she had to leave, the standard Secret Service protocol is to go to the nearest major medical center automatically because you now have a principal who's had a problem. They were told very explicitly by her staff, no, no, no. And the question is, why were they afraid to have independent doctors examine her? I mean, if you had somebody who, who had that problem and you had to get them into the car and they clearly needed help to get in the car, why would you take them? to their daughter's apartment, what, what certainty would you have that they didn't have a real problem? And there's just, it's, it's the compiling effect. There's, there's no one thing with Hillary Clinton. It's just, you know, it's like today where you get these really remarkable leaked emails from Colin Powell, who at one point, as, as it was reported on Fox News this morning on, on Fox and Friends, apparently at one point 
and an email says she's just dumb. Uh, and then he goes on to say, you know, she screws up everything she comes in contact with. I mean, you look at this stuff and you think, this is Colin Powell, after all, who's a, a, a pretty nonpartisan, endorsed Obama, served George W. Bush, served uh, President Reagan, uh, and served George H.W. Bush. Um, pretty hard, surprisingly harsh language from Colin. So every time you turn around, there's some new weird thing that relates to Hillary Clinton. And that's a big problem because it gives her, like, it's like trying to swim as people pile more and more anchors on your head. And at some point you start drowning. I actually think there's great fear. And, and you heard this from Ted Strickland. You heard this from Koki Roberts. You heard this from Don Fowler. These are all Democrats that there is a lot of chatter among Democratic ranks. How do we get rid of her now as a candidate? And, you know, the sad part of that story is on the other side of it, you got a bunch of never-Trumpers. They're scared to death that Donald Trump's now going to win, and they're going to look awful. So it's all about them for them. But if um, I'm not sure, I actually, my, after talking to a lot of medical professionals that I know and get, hearing a lot of different opinions, I'm convinced this is such a big issue. This is so unresolved. This has been so, you know, they, they've tamped down on this, clamped down on this so much that I actually think there is a possibility that it could show up in a debate under, you know, the lights and the heat and the stress yeah, of that well, moment. You know, I mean, you did have yesterday Tom Brokaw saying that she needs to go to, to a neurologist and she needs to get an MRI. I mean, you know, this, this is not some right-wing guy. I mean, people, people can comment about you and me. Although, of course, Matt Lauer proved if you say anything critical of Hillary, it's because you've sold out to the right wing. So maybe Brokaw now is uh, one of those people that is uh, inappropriate and in the wrong basket. But but his comments yesterday I thought were very strong and, and very clear that if you have the kind of symptoms she has, you've got to go see a specialist uh, in, in uh, neuroscience, and you've got to have an MRI to see whether or not you, in fact, have a, a neurological problem. That's not Newt Gingrich. That's Tom Brokaw. Yeah. I mean, Tom Brokaw said he needed the, the neurological exam. You know, one of the things that I, I think has also happened here is Donald Trump's now on his game. Donald Trump, I, I would expect that a lot of the country would have thought he'd say, oh, Hillary collapsed, look at this. And all he said is, I wish her well. Donald Trump yep. is giving speeches in Detroit churches, in Wisconsin churches. He's reaching out to inner city. Uh, I saw a poll that is coming out later today, I'm not allowed to cite it, where he has 25% of the black vote in a particular swing state. He is he went down to Baton Rouge. Hillary Clinton didn't have a rally on 19 days in August. She didn't have one single rally or big event. Not one. He has been well, in Baton Rouge. He's been down to Mexico. He's given one let policy let me, speech after another. Let me give you two, two anecdotes. One, I just did a, a Facebook Live. And anybody listening can go to GamersProductions.com. My newsletter today is going to be on, or, 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 I guess still on the cloud Friday, is going to be on the uh, the speech he gave last night, which was superb. Uh, my daughter, Jackie Cushman, who's raising two kids, said it was a great speech. Her column this week is going to be on what a great speech it is. And, and Ivanka Trump and Kathy Lee Morris Rogers deserve a lot of credit. This was a very substantive, very serious, uh, very policy-rich speech on helping the family, helping working mothers, helping raise children. I mean, you can't read this speech and not think, this is a serious guy who's doing his homework. But now let me give you a great anecdote that fits the, the polling numbers you just told me. I was on the way back from doing a, a Trump rally at Kennesaw State in Atlanta. I'm about to get on the airplane at the Atlanta airport, and a, a guy named uh, Eamon Banks, uh, who is an African-American, uh, walks up holding 
a Trump yard sign. And I said to him, what, what are you doing? Right. He said, he said, since August of 1915, everywhere I go, I carry my uh, Trump yard sign. I'm sorry, August of 2015. Right. I carry my Trump yard sign. And I, I said, well, what, what, what are you, why are you doing? He said, first of all, I've served in the U.S. Army, and I can carry any, I have the right to carry the sign I want. He said, second, um, my parents, I was born in South Carolina, my parents both lost their jobs in the textile industry because of NAFTA, and I think Trump is right. He said, third, I've got two. I've got two sons in college, and with Hillary, they're going to stay at home with me. With Trump, they're going to get a job and move out. He said, "I got a big vested interest in this race," and he said, "I take this everywhere." I said, "Well, how's your wife back?" He said, "Well, we've got two signs taken out of our yard, and she's a little worried." He said, "But when I take this sign and I walk into the barber shop, you ought to hear the conversations that get started." This guy was happy as he could be. Uh, we took a picture together at the airport, sent it out uh, on, on Twitter. Uh, he's just a terrific guy, but he's an illustration. I mean, who would have thought that since August, and then how does this fit into Hillary's model of racists? I mean, here's an African-American who since August of last year has been carrying a Trump sign because he's so disgusted with the left, voted for Obama twice, by the way, uh, said, look, I mean, I, I was there, I believed it, uh, it, it ain't working, and Hillary's worse. So I just think that's a, it's a minor anecdote. It doesn't technically prove anything. But it fits the polling number you just gave us. I mean, if if, if Trump ends up in the 20, 25 percent range in the, in the black community, uh, the Democratic Party is in, in just enormous trouble. And frankly, the Republican Party will be a lot healthier place. You know what's I mean, amazing, it's though? It's for the Republicans to, to become a party that's inclusive. Here's what all these never-Trumpers, you know I've been at war with them because I know you've been interviewed about it. I actually heard about it. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, this is really, this is so uncomfortable for you because we've been friends now and you're like a mentor to me. And now you've got to defend me. And I'm like, no, you don't. Just just tell the Hannity's nuts. Just to, to tell any reporter. No, that I'm, not, I'm, not def- I'm not defending you. I'm defending the principle you stand for. But you know there what, no, sir, you know what no guides me in this election? I'm going to defend you. But I will defend the principles you stand for. Well, I mean, you're right, and I think I'm right. You know, conservatism is an ideology. It's a philosophy. They're principles that are never-ending and everlasting, but it also has to be applied to modern-day problems the way Reagan did right. it. And I see Trump as, as that guy. Now, for me, this is what this election is about, and I say it every day. It's we have the lowest labor participation rate from the 70s, since the 70s the lowest home ownership rate in 51 years, the worst recovery since the Great Depression in the 40s. Then we, you know, add to that one in five families don't have a single family member in the labor force. You have 12 million more Americans in poverty, 8 million more Americans, I'm sorry, 12 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty. You have a doubling of our national debt, more debt accumulated by Obama than every other president before him combined. And I haven't mentioned Libya or Mohammed Morsi, or Iran, or China, or Putin, or Iraq, or and Afghanistan. There's nothing she can run on. And so for me, the election's about getting those people back to work. Trump repatriating money, moving towards energy independence, Trump cutting taxes on businesses, lowering the rate across the board with only three tax brackets. All of those things work. They're conservative views. You know, he's appointing conservative justices. Vetting refugees is a conservative idea. Uh, controlling our borders is conservative. Eliminating Obamacare is conservative. You know, energy independence is conservative. Education back to the states is conservative. What part of it are these people not getting? Well, you, you see the same fight over his speech last night. What, what his speech last night about the family, about child care, 
about elder care, about mothers who stay home. And you read all the different things in that speech. What he's doing is he's taking money and power out of Washington, where Hillary wants to use it, to have more government-run child care centers with more unionized membership. And he's sending it back home. He's saying, it's your money. You ought to get to keep it. And by the way, he talks very specifically, you ought to be able to collaborate with others in the spirit of Uber and Airbnb and other collaborative systems. And you ought to be able to use modern technology so that you and other folks in your neighborhood are able to collaborate and work together without a Washington bureaucrat giving you permission. Now, it's actually a very decentralizing, pro-family, pro-child speech. And, and yet I'm, I'm told some conservatives are all upset about it. Uh, and I just think that they're totally wrong. And he, he also says something which, if people would slow down and listen carefully, would be a tremendous liberating impact on the city. He wants to go after fraud in order to pay for uh, the cost of certain programs. And people shrug and say, well, they always say that. That's baloney. If you took the American Express, Visa, and MasterCard model of fighting fraud, and you laid it over government programs, food stamps, disability, Medicare, Medicaid, etc., you would save, I think, at least $140 billion a year. That's you, real money. Do you know Obama, his tax collections up to now are over $20 trillion, and he still added $9 trillion to the debt and going higher? It's unbelievable to me. It's like, yeah. when it is enough, it's like crack for crack addicts, the way these politicians spend money. But I've got to run. Um, we'll see you tonight. You're going to be on Hannity. It's going to be great. Look forward to it. You know, and um, I do appreciate your insight and understanding of conservatism and its application more than some of these so-called intellectuals that feel they're so superior to everybody else. But thank you. Trump continues to exploit Hillary Clinton's gaffe, saying that half of the Trump supporters could be put, quote, into the basket of deplorable. Let me tell you something, Andrew. Whenever Hillary Clinton is seen in her own words and can't blame her, quote, political enemies, the vast right of conspiracy, it's bad for her because that's her own tape. And I respectfully disagree when people characterize what she said as a gaffe. She was reading prepared remarks and she had said it previously. A gaffe she had not is, said is half, of, you know, she had not said half of the supporters previously. She had referred to the deplorables, but she had not used that categorization, the quantifying it in terms of half the supporters. We are living in a volatile political environment. You know, to just be grossly generalistic, you could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. <laughs> Racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. And unfortunately, there are people like that. And he has lifted them up. He has given voice to their websites. It used to only have 11,000 people. Now have 11 million. He tweets and retweets. They're offensive, hateful, mean-spirited rhetoric. Now some of those folks they are irredeemable, but thankfully they are not American. They're not Americans. Irredeemable. Basket of deplorables as that conversation continues. 24 now till the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. If you look at the latest Bloomberg poll in the swing state of Ohio, it has Trump up by five points. You have a Monmouth poll showing Trump passing Hillary in a very important state called Nevada, 
We had a poll that came out yesterday that actually showed in Maine that it is a three-point race there, not a state normally in play for any Republican presidential candidate. Uh, on top of that, you got Florida, JMC Analytics. It has Trump by four in the swing state of Florida. Michigan's a close race. Wisconsin's within three. And you got close races going in Virginia, uh, North Carolina, although the one poll last week had Trump up by three there uh, on all these important swing states up in Iowa, up in New Hampshire. Joining us now, she is the top person, the Trump campaign manager, founder and president of the polling company. My friend Kellyanne Conway, how are you? I'm great, Sean. You know, I'm in a basket. It's called the basket of deplorables. Oh, yes. It's uh, it's quite a disgrace, and I'm glad that Mr. Trump is incorporating those comments, Sean, into all of his stump speeches, because he basically is telling people, she looks at you as this, and repeats the sort of tirade of insults. And uh, and I'm so glad your clip played all the people cackling in the background. They thought that was just so funny to put down millions of Americans who can't bust into Cipriani and go to some high-dollar fat cat fundraiser like they were. And he just tells them, look, I look at you as who you are, hardworking Americans who are concerned for their country and who want a better future and a better life for their own families, for themselves, and frankly, for all of us. So you will, you can expect to continue to hear from us on that. Also, I would tell everybody, go to our website or go to YouTube and look at the new ad we posted on Monday. I know you've been playing it, Sean, deplorable, and it really captures who she's talking about. The media wanted to be, well, is it this person? Is it that person? It was tens of millions of people. Well, let me so play it for play people. We'll, we'll show it on TV tonight, uh, but and I think you're joining us tonight. Let me play it for people now. Speaking to wealthy donors, Hillary Clinton called tens of millions of Americans deplorable. You could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. People like you, you, and you. Deplorable. You know what's deplorable? Hillary Clinton viciously demonizing hardworking people like you. I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message. You know, I think it's a very effective ad, and I think that unscripted moment really reveals a lot about who Hillary is and what she thinks of the rest of the country. And there's, there's a very New York, D.C., L.A., San Francisco elitist tone to that that seems to be out of touch with, you know, the statistics I give out on this program every day of all these people out of the labor force that can't buy homes, that are struggling, that saw a $4,100 increase in their health care premium since Obama's been president. Well, it all goes back to something you and I have been talking about on your shows for years, Sean, which is in one of the speeches that she gave for, say, $250,000, it essentially takes a woman five years to make what she made in some 45-minute speech. I mean, think about that for a moment. Look, I'm a capitalist. If people are going to pay her money for that speech, then good for them. She gives speeches now for free, and nobody seems to want to go to them. But if you want to pay that kind of money for a speech, great. But let's let's be honest about what that kind of money means to the average woman in this country. And by the way, if you're a single mom, it takes you even longer on average to make that kind of money. So she's out of touch. We know what it, we know what it means. We saw the Mitt Romney campaign. We know what it means when a candidate is painted as out of touch and disconnected from everyday people and their concerns. And she's not doing much to, to overcome that, nor will she in the next two months. You know, so if I see one more article where Hillary Clinton's finding her voice, she's shifting strategy 30 years of this. Listen, she's tri remember, she went for a period where I'm going to be lighter and funnier and more of myself on the campaign trail. And I'm like, it's so artificial and fake. I don't, I don't think she even knows who she is. She doesn't have a genuine bone in her body. You know, I see a lot of 
since you have come on board, I think it's been the, the best weeks of the campaign. By coincidence, I tend to doubt it because I've known you a lot of years and I know how disciplined you are in terms of running campaigns. Now, this is what I see. I see a candidate that is focused on the right target, which is Obama and Hillary and the bad economy and the world that is very dangerous and more dangerous because of their policies. I see a candidate that is highly energetic a guy that went to Baton Rouge when nobody else would go, a guy that went to Mexico when nobody else would go and looked pretty presidential, a guy that's giving speeches in, in black churches in, in Wisconsin and Detroit, Michigan, uh, a guy that is out there every single day asking people for their vote. And it seems to be paying off. In the month of August, Hillary didn't give a rally in 19 of those days. That doesn't sound that's like right. she's working very hard. No, it doesn't sound at all. She's very active on the fundraising circuit, but not very active on the touch the voter, meet the people circuit. And Sean, our winning formula to date has been take the case directly to the people. Sure, we have some paid advertisements, but if, if you see me in your living room in an ad 50 times, did I really touch the voter? Uh, we like to persuade people where they live. So even just this week, Mr. Trump has five rallies in addition to these policy speeches like the one last night outside Philadelphia with his Jordi Ivanka on child care. Uh, talk about going to a place where few Republicans would ever go. What about on the issue of child care? Did it not poll well, people? Is it really not? Who cares? Is it not a vexing issue for many American families? And it also talks about elder care. We re it also talks about stay-at-home moms. We want to respect and reward By the, way, some the conservatives, contributions they make. You know, I look at these never-Trump people, and I don't know, just, I don't know if you know about these wars I've been in, because I'm really angry at these people because they're so myopic and they're kind of the pick-up-their-toys-and-go-home people if their, their choice in the primary didn't win, for crying out loud. But to me, this race is about choices, Kellyanne. Yes. Uh, we know that Donald Trump has given his list of originalists that he would appoint to the Supreme Court. We know Hillary will appoint left-wing, you know, uh, left-wing activist judges and, and jurists like Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Sonia Sotomayor. We know that Trump is very clear that American safety comes first, and he has extreme vetting for any refugees. We know that he's going to build a wall because America won't control its destiny if it doesn't control its borders. There are profound differences on energy. She wants to put coal, coal mining uh, companies out of business and coal workers out of work. We know that Trump will repeal Obamacare. We know it will send education back to the states. And yeah, we've talked about health care savings accounts. Daycare savings accounts sounds like a pretty, you know, Cato-esque institute type of idea. And and yet That's some right. conservatives are just rigid. You know, the so-called intellectual uh, movement and the conservative movement is brain dead at this point. And I would say aiding and abetting Hillary. What do you say to those people? Well, I'm very disappointed in them. We all came around and supported Mitt Romney and John McCain, even if we supported other people in the primaries, and not because we're not because we blindly follow the party's nominee, Sean, but because we know the alternative is so awful. Um, and President Obama has not been a, an effective president. People are still struggling economically. He calls ISIS the JV team that is contained, usually right before they launch another vicious, murderous attack. Uh, we know Obamacare has been a disaster. The exchanges are canceling month by month, pulling out of states. We know the big insurers are gone from the state exchanges, and so. We knew the alternative to Mitt Romney and John McCain wouldn't even come close. And so where is that argument when we're staring down the barrel of a Hillary Clinton presidency? I have two words for these people, Supreme Court. Or, you know, I, I can do many, many two words. We could play a big word game here. But even if nothing else motivates you. How about you, the wall? How about repeal Obamacare? How about energy independence? There you How go. about Lots education choice? I'll give you two words for every big issue we face. And this is where their stubbornness and their arrogance is really pissed 
pissed me off and them out there attacking me, these differences aren't insignificant. They are deep and they are profound and they will greatly impact the future of this country. And Sean, I'll, I'll tell you one more. The nonsense coming out of some people's mouths that Hillary Clinton, quote, wouldn't be that bad because she oh probably God. just wants to check the box and be the first female president. She wouldn't do anything. Are you kidding me? I have another two words. Radical Islam. Say them. That's right. And we know we know what they we know what they can roll. But look, I'm hoping they'll come on board. I'm ever hopeful. And people love to back a winner. And we are winning these days. We have a winning formula. The polls are all tightening. Look at Hillary Clinton's numbers in these swing states. She's at fifty percent nowhere. That's just remarkable for the person who has the whole mainstream media, all the money in the world, a sitting president, a former president, both of whom are much more popular than she is, of course. She's got everything you can imagine going for her and she can't crack 50% in these swing states, she can't crack 60% among women. What do we? So we know we've got a winning formula. Even Chris Elizabeth from the Washington Post, the Fix, tweeted out today that the momentum is clearly Donald Trump's. A Bloomberg poll came out this morning. We're up five points in Ohio, which McCain and Romney both lost. By the way, it's better that you're also winning in Nevada. You're yep. also winning in Colorado in a poll that came out today. Iowa. Iowa, That's you're winning? Iowa. I mean, these are everyone, and you're winning in Florida in a poll that came out yesterday. The, every and, and one of winning. these swing states are, are critical if the Republican's going to win the presidency. Well, that's right, and I want to send one more message to the folks, whether they're never Trump or however they label themselves these days, never happy. Uh, I want to tell them one more thing, Sean, which is look at the voters in your own states, whether you're a consultant living in that state or you are a member, an elected official or a former elected official from that state. The people, the crowds, the the rallies, the um, the excitement, the small donors, the, this is coming from their people. You're disrespecting your own people when you won't abide the expression of support for Donald Trump that they are clearly evidencing. And so you can have your problem with something Donald Trump says or how he said it or He's unconventional, or blah, or but what about the people in your state? I mean, I got to say to Senator Flake in Arizona, what you know, who gets invited on the Sunday shows because he attacks his party's nominee? But what in the world do you what? He won. Donald Trump won forty eight percent of the vote in in your Republican primary. He goes. He he gave an immigration speech there. There were thousands of people waiting outside who couldn't even get in. Respect the people of your own state. Folks can go on our website. They can listen to these policy speeches. You know exactly what he stands for when it comes to veteran Last administration question. reform. Yeah, because I would argue that he has been on his game. How is he preparing for these debates? Because here's my my argument to you, and I said it to him last night. Hillary's entire strategy will be not to talk about Obama's failed economy or foreign policy, her failures. She is going to try and piss off, aggravate, agitate, irritate, upset, and make Donald Trump bubble and fizz like Alka-Seltzer. Can you create an impenetrable shield so he doesn't fall into that trap? Sure, because you know why? She doesn't bother him. He's got this one. He's living in her head, if anything. I mean, goodness, she had a 20-tweet Twitter storm today about some st some story by a disgraced journalist. Mm -hmm. And you agree uh, with me, by the way, that's her only strategy. Strategy. Yeah, well, that is a really What is she going to do? She Look, the, Hillary and her ilk want the entire campaign to be about tone and temperament. The country demands that it be about facts and figures. She can't stand up there, Sean, and talk about the virtues of Obamacare and the great prosperity for all Americans and the fact that they defeated radical Islamic terrorists. And the, the birth and growth of it was on his watch. She can't go up there and say, I want you, join me for four more years of this junk. Okay, so all she's got is to try to make him seem unpalatable and unpresent not going to happen if you've seen anything 
have a Donald Trump this last month, it's what a president looks like. The commander-in-chief for him, helping people in need in Louisiana while coffins were floating in the water, going down to Mexico and standing side-by-side with the Mexican president, looking like the president of the United States, going giving an immigration speech, and then, frankly, tackling health care last night, an issue that many Republicans don't want to tackle. They just sort of hunker under their desks and hope the shrapnel of Americans' needs and wants don't, don't fall on their heads. So she can try all she wants, but I tell you, Hillary Clinton also is easily rattled these days. You saw her at the commander-in-chief forum. They want to blame Matt Lauer. Look, Matt Lauer didn't put the email server in her clo- in a closet. Matt Lauer didn't vote for the war in Iraq and then try to apologize for it. That's not his fault, but she's easily rattled, and he obviously is in her head. And may I say, she's going to have, she also has to make sure that, Hillary Clinton has to make sure that she's not talking down to Donald Trump because right. she has a habit of doing that to people. I think you're, are you on TV with us tonight? I'm not, I think you are. I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not, but I could be. We'd love having you on. All right, I'll tell my campaign, uh, my campaign, right. I'll tell my, my <laughs> I'm not I running for so. anything. I'll tell my producer that you're going to be on tonight. <laughs> Uh, Kellyanne has been a longtime friend. You've done a great job for Donald Trump and 55 days to go. That's right. Let's keep it up, Sean. Thank you so much to all your listeners, too. Bye-bye. I appreciate it. 800-941-SEAN is your number if you want to call. Well, if it is, it's a mystery to me and all of her doctors because it's frequently, not frequently, nothing, rarely, but on more than one occasion over the last many, many years, the same sort of things happen to her when she just got severely dehydrated. Uh, and she's worked like a demon. Well, if it is, it's a mystery to me and all of her doctors. Rarely, but on more than one occasion over the last many, many years, the same sort of things happened to her when she just got severely dehydrated. Uh, and she's worked like a demon. Don't boo. Vote. Booing is easy. I need you, I need you to vote. Look, let, let, let's talk about Mr. Trump. He's not really a plans guy, a fat guy. He calls himself a business guy. But America's got a lot of business women and women who who succeeded without hiding their tax returns or leaving a trail of lawsuits or workers who didn't get paid. People feeling like they got cheated. I mean, look, I, you know, I keep on reading this analysis that, well, you know, Trump's got support from, like, working folks. Really? That, like, this is the guy you want to be championing working people? This guy who spent 70 years on this earth showing no concern for working people. This guy's suddenly going to be your champion? I mean, he's, he spent most of his life trying to stay as far away from working people as he could. And now this guy's going to be the champion of working people. Huh? I mean, he wasn't going to let you on his golf course. He wasn't going to let you buy in his condo. And now suddenly this guy's going to be your champion? Oh, even he's now playing the race card. In comes Obama for the save for Hillary. Oh, because she collapsed. Uh, And everything else before that. You know, eight years. Think of his background. A Frank Marshall Davis, the communist devotee. I mean, a guy that loves him. Here's a guy that, what, was an acorn organizer. 
an Alinskyite disciple, rules for radicals, you know, 20 years in the church of GD America, a state legislator that voted present more than anything else his entire career, you know, gets in the Senate one term, and he's been one of the worst presidents in American history. Uh, and you didn't create any jobs. Uh, we have 12 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty. We have the lowest labor participation rate in 70, since the 70s. We have the lowest home ownership rate in 51 years. Let's see, how many jobs has he ever created? Next x millions of jobs when you count all the people on food stamps all the people out of the labor force one in five american families they don't have a single family member working one in six american men 18 to 34 are either in prison or they are living in mommy and daddy's basement how cute how wonderful family reunion i'm sure mom and dad are proud on top of that and he's accumulated more debt than every other president before him combined but other than that everything's just fine he's done great what jobs has he created? What wealth has he created? Shovel ready was not as uh, yeah. <laughs> shovel ready as we expected. Whoopsie, whoopsie daisy. Sorry you're all out of work. Anyway, joining us now, News Roundup, Information Overload, Rick Unger and Michael Steele, host of Sirius XM Steele and Unger Show. And uh, Michael, I care about his opinion a lot more than Rick Unger. <laughs> <laughs> I get this every time. What do you mean you get this every time? Every time. You deserve you. this every time. Every time. Uh, Mike, what do you think? I mean... Trump now up five in Ohio, within three in Wisconsin, within five in in Michigan, uh, in the margin of error in Pennsylvania, uh, up in Florida in a recent poll. Uh, North Carolina, it's split. He's down four, up three. Virginia, very, very close, a two-point race. What do you make of the race at this point? And we haven't really had polling since Hillary collapsed in the other day. Right. It, this is a jump ball race as much as it, it pains the left and, and Hillary Clinton's team in particular uh, to come to that understanding realization. They took for granted that what they saw coming out of the uh, their national convention uh, was going to be uh, in large part. The, the the thrust of the campaign that they had Donald Trump on the ropes uh, on some of the hot language and they had the momentum behind them but the American people as you know I, I say all the time once you get to Labor Day it's a whole different conversation with the American people when they start looking at these races Donald Trump is in a very competitive position he's had a more disciplined a more message oriented campaign uh, since uh, our friend Kellyanne Conway has come on board. It is a noticeable difference. It, it is a welcomed difference, quite honestly. Um, and I don't think the, the the campaign on the other side really has uh, an antidote to that, except for the same old responses that they've given before. You know, even you, Unger, now have to realize Donald Trump uh, on election night, November 8th, that Fox News projects Donald Trump will be the 45th president of the United States of America is a real possibility. Oh, definitely a possibility. But as Michael will tell you, I've been aware of that for a very long time. Everything Michael just said was absolutely accurate. See, if you could put aside your rigid, liberal, phony ideology. It's not that rigid. You actually actually like him, don't you? No. I I don't think he should be president, but that doesn't mean I don't acknowledge that he may be president. uh, I'm just as big a wise-ass as him, and you like me. Well, I think you're a more—well, that's a longer conversation. (laughs) Your your foundation is probably your money, and you're actually giving it to real charities. I do know you. Oh, stop it. Oh, come on. Um, (laughs) You know, when you put together, though, I mean, Hillary Clinton, I mean, the only thing she seems to be running on, Michael, is every predictable, you know, Democratic playbook cliche that they've used now for the last— 
40 years, Republicans are racist and sexist and misogynistic and homophobic and Islamophobic. And, you know, Hillary has a little bit of a problem with that line of, of argument because she's the one that went to the UAE and Oman and Kuwait and, and uh, Saudi Arabia, and they took tens and tens and billions of dollars and they bought her silence, but yet they abuse women, they persecute and kill gays and lesbians, and they persecute Christians and Jews. So I don't know how she pulls that off this time. Yeah, no, I, I think that's exactly right, that the, the messaging is the same old messaging. It's just wrapped with a different bow, uh, color it 2016, not 2008, but it's still the, very much the same the same noise-making machine that we've seen in the past, you know, playing on uh, the typical civil rights agenda that they that they have touted for, you know, ad, ad nauseum, quite honestly. But what about... Um, and, but here's, here's the problem, though, Sean, uh, and it's a real one for the Clinton campaign, and I've had this conversation just as recently as this past weekend with a couple of Democrat operatives who are uh, nervous because the black enth- black vote enthusiasm gap is growing, not less. Um, they have not they're not necessarily buying what Trump is selling. There's no doubt about that. But they're certainly not jumping up and down saying, "I can't wait to stand in line for four hours to vote for Hillary Clinton." And that is that is their hard that's their hard number right now is where that enthusiasm gap exists in the black community. Uh, which is why you've seen in recent times more conversation and rhetoric around. Uh, By the way, isn't it great to see Donald Trump in that Detroit church? I thought he gave one of the best speeches he'd given. And unlike Hillary Clinton, I don't feel no ways tired. I've come too far. <laughs> or, you know, Al Gore. You want to be a voice on my show, The Hillbillaries? Or, yeah. or, or, or Al, <laughs> Al Gore screeching, Republicans have the wrong agenda for African Americans. Guys, no they don't even want to count you in the census. <laughs> Can we? So, so Michael Steele, anytime a Democrat gets before a predominantly black audience, they go into full on black preacher mode. And that was Hillary. Oh, my God. It's, it's so it's, annoying. It's so condescending, isn't it? It's so phony. It's very condescending. It is very phony, affecting a southern drawl. I'm in the south, but I don't speak south. All right. So give me a break. It don't, it don't come into my community acting like you can get away with this crazy. By the way, when and I did again, a fundraiser for you years ago in D.C., Yes, indeed. Did I did I change my tone, my pitch, my cadence because there were black people too in the audience? I mean, that is so obnoxious to me and so phony. I'm like, I did try. Well, anyway, Rick Unger was even laughing because you admit this is. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, yeah, I got You're going to defend I, this? No, listen. Not only do I not, I make fun of Hillary for adopting her Southern accent every time she gets south. I don't south fail no ways, tired. But I got to bring something. Eyes come too far. You guys were talking about the conflicts that Hillary Clinton has with some of her positions and some things we've seen. And I even think some of those are true. But, you know, I always come back to the same thing with Trump, and I hope you guys will respond to it. More than anything else he's said, more than anything else he's done, I 
can't forget that he led the charge to get veterans properly licensed to sell their scarves and whatever to make a living kicked out of the street in front of his building. That, to me, has probably spoken more about who Donald Trump is than anything else. Do you know what he's talking about? Well, if you don't, I'll be happy to tell you. He led a a campaign in New York City that went out over a number of years. Well, let me finish. You asked me a question. I wish I didn't went out. Well, you did. That went out on for a number of years until he was able to get veterans who the city had licensed to sell umbrellas, to sell scarves, whatever. They were selling them in front of his building, and he thought that those veterans were an eyesore, and he led the campaign to have them removed. How do you stand there and claim your your fealty to our veterans, and yet you remove them from in front of your building? Okay, he's done more for veterans than Hillary ever did. In then why life. do you do that? And here's, a, here's what I do want to ask you, though. Is Hillary Clinton an honest and trustworthy person, or does she lie with regularity? I think both of them lie with regularity. Did I ask you about both of them? You, you, I asked I, you, is Hillary Clinton an I honest asked you and trustworthy? I the last question, and you wouldn't. Is Hillary an honest and trustworthy person? In, in many ways, no, no. Neither is Donald And she Trump. lied about the Clinton Foundation. She sold influence. I don't influence. know that she has. No? So half the Where's people, the half the individuals that actually got to see her, more than half, 55%, if you believe the Associated Press, which I'm sure is a liberal you cite often, um, 55%, <laughs> according to their analysis, of individuals that met her as yeah. Secretary of State were donors or pledged money. Michael Steele, who beat the crap out of her for that? Oh, so she so you did, so I she, did. So she, I did. So she did sell now, access. Now, right. can we talk about now, Donald question. Trump's foundation? That's my next question. Now, my ne- Listen, when I come on your show, which you've never invited me on, I'll you're be glad always, to oh, 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 you're uh, are, always. Can we book it Linda, right now? Can Linda, we book we it ever, right now? Linda, have I ever gotten invited on the Unger and Steel show? I'm sorry, on the Steel and Unger I'm show? I'm going to be Switzerland here. I love you both. Yeah, because okay, she knows no. that you have been. Have I ever been invited? You have. Have you ever told me I'm invited? I think that email was sent to the wrong address. I never got well, it. Well, I never you, got it. Michael, tomorrow night, what do you think? Hannity? I'm in. All right, but here's the point. Now, you is, can be on with Rand Paul. Do you think that Hillary is sicker than she's letting on? You know, I on my honest answer, I want to see her records. I do, just like the rest and of you. We should, get, I we should be able know. to get an MRI and a neurological I markup agree. on Look, her. Look, here's the deal with this. Let's all cut the BS. The fact is she has a health history that we're mm. aware of. We know that she's fallen sometimes. We know that she had a problem when she hit her head. Because of that, well, we she, got a right to she see She had it. a big problem when she hit her head because she didn't remember ever being briefed by the State <laughs> Department on cybersecurity. That's not you believe actually, that? that's, no, because it's a mistaken interpretation. She didn't say that. Yes, yeah, she no, did. No, the FBI person who was writing the notes, that was his comments. But oh, I do so, think we so should she, get that. She wrote but down, why is Donald Trump going on Dr. Oz to give me. his in a one-page thing? Can we just stick to the facts here, sir? I know you're trying to distract. Michael Steele, do you notice she can't? he can't admit she's honest? He can't admit she's healthy. She can't admit that he does, she doesn't sell access. She's healthy. And she lies with regularity. Why would anybody vote for a liar, a pathological congenital liar like this one? Well, Sean, I, I, I framed this uh, campaign in, in those terms. I mean, it really does boil down for the voters at this point, or it's coming to the point where they're asking, who do I who do I want to vote for? Someone I don't trust or someone I think is a little bit out there, a little bit crazy. Nah, yeah, crazy and, is the word. <laughs> and that, and that, and, and, Look, and I know Donald you, Trump. I know he's not crazy. He's crazy as a fox. Thank I mean, you. But this, this is my frustration. And I, can I just throw a moment? This is my frustration because I know Donald Trump too. And a lot of the stuff earlier on in this campaign I thought was so unnecessary for him because he is not that guy. He's, and I keep telling people, when the man takes the oath of office, this is, this is not what you're going to see because this is not how he conducts his business. This is not how he lives his life. I don't know what some of these caricatures of, of being a presidential candidate have been about. Um, certainly there is the, the sort of got your attention aspect. All right, let's take bets. Who's going to win this election, Michael Steele? 
Hmm? Who's going to win the election? Oh, I think Trump has the advantage right now. I, I do. I think he has the advantage. I agree with you. Who's I, th- I think Trump has the advantage right now in the popular vote. He still has a tough road to go in the electoral colleges, which is why I think that Hillary wins. Uh, I agree with you. The electoral college is very difficult yeah. for any Republican, but I think advantage Trump as of today, and we are 55 days out. All right. Thank you both. I'm looking forward to that invitation, which is yet to come by. You you're going to be desk. so sorry you said that. I'm, I, I'm coming. And we time. want you in studio. It's too far away. Oh, it's, it's across too the far street. Away. Hey, it's across the street. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, 800-941-SEAN. My good friends, uh, M- Michael Steele, who I've known for years, and Rick Unger is still a good guy. Oh, I wish liberal. I didn't know it all. No, I love you. I mean, I think you're, you're a funny guy. Yeah, surprising. New York Times suing to unseal Trump's divorce records. Is the New York Times going to interview Juanita Broderick, Kathleen Willey, Paula Jones, Dolly Kyle Browning? <laughs> Why would they do that? Jennifer Flowers? No. Of course not. The New York Times, remember they tried this woman woman hit piece the last time? A lot of good that did. All right, let's get to our phones. Terry is in Austin, Texas on the Sean Hannity Show. Terry, how are you? I'm great, Mr. Hannity. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? Well, yesterday morning, my 10-year-old daughter asked me, Mom, what does deplorable mean? So I had us look up the definition together because I didn't just want to give her my impression of what I thought it was. She then said, I would have to go to timeout or be grounded for saying that about anybody. Mom, I'd get, all, I'd get kicked off of student council. Yeah, by the way, in this day and age, you can't call anybody deplorable. You're disgusting. You're ugly. You're dirty. You're fat. You're skinny. You're stupid. Well, this is what else she said. Hello. She said, Mom, what I didn't like is that people laugh. Oh, they all laughed. And people laughed. Then she said... You know, I don't know why that is, though. Analyze why you think that is, because there's a reason. Why do you think that everybody laughed? I think that... I'm honestly... I mean, I I could give you a million reasons, but I'm still confused because I Mm -hmm. wouldn't laugh. Let me tell you what I think it is and see if you agree with me, okay? I think that liberals and the left feel superior to the rest of us and they think that they are high and mighty and so much above those mere you know people that do the work around here um and i think they're sanctimonious i think they're self-righteous i think they're arrogant and i think they they actually think people are stupid which is why they try to manipulate You know, certain demographic groups, every election cycle, hoping that they buy the propaganda and the misinformation uh, and the and the lies that they tell and that they get in office and then they'll take care of. They'll throw the crumbs to the little people. I agree with you on a lot of that. I do, Mm -hmm. because I was raised Republican and I'm all I know is that I was raised well, excellent parents, excellent grandparents taught to respect, be a contributing adult, be accountable, first off, for all my actions as I'm teaching my children. And I'm sorry, everything you said is correct about anybody in that crowd that laughed. That is absolutely correct. My children, if they had been in that crowd or if that came out of their mouth, I mean, I would be so... You know, I remember the first time my parents caught me cursing. You know what they did? They probably did what your parents did. Soap. Soap. Exactly. Soap. Exactly. You want to have a filthy mouth? Here, eat this. Yeah. 
By the I way, I remember slamming my door one time, and my dad said, "You want to slam that door, young lady? I'll show you this." Took the door <laughs> off, my, off the hinges. We could have and been brother and sister. I yeah, I yeah, I had the same. I, I got the belt though. I got the crap beat out of me. I got the belt at eighteen for talking back to my father. <laughs> and you know what? Yeah. Day at forty-one, if my if I disrespect my father when he speaks, nothing against him. He doesn't tell me to do it. It is yes, sir. My mom, yes, ma'am. I love I, that. Yes, he, sir. He, yes, ma'am. Mr. Hannity. And that you lead by example. These people in that crowd are now teaching their young children the future of America, the future, our future, that it is okay to laugh when this woman puts half of this country into a basket and she doesn't know us. If you want to stand up there, ma'am, and you want to say this about me, you want to insult me and let my children feel insulted because they feel their parents are being insulted, then you better know me before you ever put me in a group of somebody. That, because I certainly, I can I know, well, listen, I, but she, I know them. they laugh. Anyway, you're, you should be a talk show host. You're good. Good call today. I, I, I listen to you. I, my children listen to you because you're on the radio. <laughs> I know. I but, try to limit everything, but I'll well, tell you this. I would like don't make to them tune out when I, when I say bad words. Some people get mad at me. Yeah, they, they, they don't hear that. And so okay. and I, they see me on my treadmill working out in the morning and watching yeah. news last night. It's funny. But my, we, have a 20, we have a son that will be 21 in December and a daughter that will be 19 in October. They honestly could care less about voting because she said this, knowing their family are Republicans, they are going to vote. Awesome. Just to not vote for her. Terry, I got to get some more calls in here. I love you. You get your own show. You'll be great. I'll be a guest on your show. All right. Thank you. you. God bless you. Thank you. You know, yes, sir. No, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with a little respect? You know, Everybody on my team says something to me that I'm, I'm going to relate to you just to make a point. Um, when we go out to dinner, like when we're on the road and all of you in there have been there at some point, there's like a, you know, my staff loves to watch me engage. Remember the lady we had called from the U.S. Open and her daughter had uh, had taken care of me and, and some friends of mine when I was at the U.S. Open and we, I tried to get the the girl. She was such a wonderful girl. I wanted her to sit down. We were ta- we had an intense discussion about faith, Jesus, religion, God. You know, it was really cool discussion. You know, you have two glasses of beer, and you know, God help you, it's going to go on forever. And so we were having this discussion, and she was a part of it. Another waiter was a part of it. But everybody that knows me loves when I do the check because I always leave a hundred percent tip. It doesn't matter how much the bill is. And at least that. And so and then they love to see the, when the person opens it, they kind of get a kick out of, you know, because nobody takes care of people in the industry. They just don't. And the reason I do is I'm not trying to put my I, I work that industry. I know what that industry is like. And the mother said something to me that makes me really feel really good that, you know, she's a single mom and it made her month. That's how important it is for people to have jobs and have money. And it's people like me that can relate to that because I've done all those jobs. And what bothers me about elitists like Hillary, you know, she never washed dishes. She was never a cook, a busboy, a waiter, a, a, a bartender. And those jobs taught me a lot about life and a lot about people and a lot about respecting people. 
Everybody on my staff, as much as they could be annoying, <coughs> nobody in particular in the back there, you know, they get the respect they deserve. Linda, have I ever yelled at you? Maybe like once over how many years? Have I ever really, really yelled at you? Yeah, like probably once or twice. But okay. I would say I gave it as much as I Wait, gave Wait, I was going to say, who yelled at who more? You? Or... I think it's a fair exchange. I don't even think it's fair. No, I think, it's fair. Oh, no, I think I got a lot more from you than it you do from me. It might be deserved more. That's why I have to do it so much more because you're, you know. I have never yelled at anybody on my staff on radio or TV that I can recall. You know, if, like, my computer doesn't work, that's just something that pisses me off. But I'm not mad at anybody. James, where's James? Get James in here. Should we get you some medicine that Hillary's taking to help you with your recollection? Yeah, I think so. Well, you know, that there are five, four, three pet peeves. One, I need my technology working. Two, the cars better be on time because we have no time to spare anywhere. And three, I just need some food or else I get very cranky. That's not a lot. I'm not asking for blue M&Ms. But I just don't understand when people don't respect carpenters and electricians uh, or plumbers. Or the guy that does your lawn or cesspools or waiters and waitresses. I hate I hate arrogant people that don't treat people with respect. I hate it. You know what I mean? You've been there, you've seen it. You know what those people come on, I said to give me this. She doesn't even respect the Secret Service, Hillary. She wants them to carry her bags. Anytime, for example, when we fly somewhere, usually a car picks us up and takes us to whatever the location is. Rather than renting a car. And, you know, every single time the driver's doing his job and he tries to open the door, I'm like, I don't need my door open. I'm not a, I say to them, I'm not a prima donna. You know, what do I think? I'm a king or a queen that needs my door open? I can't open my stupid door? It annoys me that people want to open my door for me. Now, they're doing their job. They do that for all their customers. But I just, I just, I feel uncomfortable with that. Don't you? Remember when we went on that one trip and they sent that massive limousine? I said, can we get a car, please? Oh, it's humiliating to get out of that thing. It's embarrassing. I think that is just the height of arrogance to me. You know, it's. Do you know what I mean? And I know they're I trying to be thinking, nice. Wait, I wanted. I think it's funny. This is even even more funny story about you. Whenever no. Sean gets into a car when we're traveling, Sean proceeds to ask the driver every intimate detail of their lives. So, how long have you lived here? Are you married? Do you have kids? How long have you done this? Do you like it? Who's the nastiest customer you ever had? Tell me. Tell me. Who is it? Who is it? Who is that person? It is hilarious. And the person always says to me when you get out of the car, I didn't I didn't think he would be so friendly. No one ever talks to me when they get in the car every time. Yeah, actually, that's a problem in my marriage because uh, I'll go to the grocery store and get in a conversation with, you know, the checkout girl for like an hour and the line gets long. Hey, buddy, sh- come on, move it. I'm trying to get some food here. Come on. No. Like, you know, I'm having a conversation. Do you mind? It's about the election. I still get text messages from some of our drivers who check in with us from time to time. Well, I just don't like people that are mean to other people. I hate it. I hate bullies and I hate arrogant prima donnas. I don't like them. Joe Raleigh, North Carolina. What's up, Joe? How are you? Thanks for taking the call, man. What's going on? I um, Real quick, I, I'm new into the politics scene. I've been, uh, since Trump kind of got in, I'm like, I'm all in. So I'm not knowing a heck of a lot about it. I flipped around to three big stations and trying to see which one was the best for me. And long story short, I'm stuck on Fox. So I'm doing my Fox thing because I'm like, they're not biased. They, they tell it straight like it is. Well, about, about a month ago, my wife's now into it too. I'm like, you know, watch Hannity. He's awesome. He tells it straight up. Here's, here's what he does. So then he starts, you start talking about Hillary being sick and having the seizures. She's like, oh my God. 
And I go, oh, my God, he's biased, too. Long story short, she's sick and she's having seizures. I thought, I, I thought it was hilarious, man, so I had to give you a call. So you didn't believe me at first. So you want to say, Hannity, you were right. Is that what you want to say? I do. And I'm like, I, I, know, I appreciate that. Crap you, the other guys, but listen, it was, it was, you were dead on, man. Of course I was dead on. Listen, people don't twitch the way she, you know, twitching like she does. You know, people don't yeah. cough the way she does. People don't stumble the way she stumbles. People don't need to be helped upstairs the way she needs to be helped upstairs. And I was called right. a conspiracy theorist by this, this this little pipsqueak. I shouldn't even give him attention. What's his name? Brian Steller, Stelter over at CNN. Okay. He gets no ratings, by yeah. the way. I, I checked his ratings. They're horrible. Anyway, so yeah. so he does the show, and he talks about me almost every week now. And so the pipsqueak, he gets all his talking points from Media Matters. He calls the show Unreliable Liberal Media Matters Sources. And yeah. what I found out from people that know is Jeff Zucker, who runs CNN, he's basically Jeff Zucker's, you know, stenographer and does everything Jeff Zucker <laughs> yeah. says. Well, attack Fox this way. <laughs> attack Fox that way. And by the way, it's not yeah. helping them. They're still getting their asses handed to them every night. But anyway. Uh-huh. All right, buddy. Thank you. I had a, I had, I had a call, man. I appreciate it, brother. I appreciate it, uh, Joe in New Jersey. What's up, Joe? How you doing? Uh, how you doing, Sean? Long time listener. Yes, sir. What's I'm going just on? Calling, calling in regards to uh, Hillary's uh, health as well. Uh, I'm a therapist for over 35 years, and uh, yesterday I had some neurologist online on on the show, I believe, and I'm surprised no one ever mentioned dysphagia. I had what this the condition right before with the constant choking they uh, have a decreased gag reflex usually for it's one of the symptoms of a stroke uh they can't handle like thin liquids and they end up aspirating on the lung saliva which causes aspiration pneumonia so you think you she know, might be so common. you've seen this as a therapist people that have had strokes or some really severe neurological issues you know right, that this is very common like you would have like no motive dysfunction and you may have visual problems, which you did with glasses, and this problem called dysphagia, which is uh, people can't uh, manipulate their own saliva. And what happens in, during sleep, they, sw- they swallow their own saliva, and it causes infections. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe she could be dehydrated because she wasn't drinking water because she can't handle it. They look thin, thin with the seconds, so they don't choke on it. Well, I appreciate. First of all, you deserve a lot. You deserve a pat on the back for all you do for people. That's that's very hard work, rehabilitation and therapy for sick people. And you get the Good Samaritan uh, Award of the day. You're awesome. And thanks for sharing that with us. I wish I had more time. When you drive a vehicle so reliable, it's backed by a 10 year, 100,000 mile limited warranty. You stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. 
have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.